Welcome to the Reading the Bible Daily with Dave podcast. This podcast is devoted to helping increase your daily exposure to God's Word with a short scripture reading and brief commentary on key ideas, themes, and theology in each chapter. Now please join your host, Dave Jenkins, for today's episode. Well, welcome back to the Reading the Bible Daily with Dave podcast. My name is Dave, and today we're going to look at Exodus chapter 6. Just as a reminder, every day I read from one chapter of God's Word. So today we're going to look at Exodus chapter 6, and then I offer a brief explanation of key ideas, themes, and the theology very briefly. My goal is is to get you into God's Word for about 5 to 20 minutes every day. So let's get to our reading of God's Word from Exodus chapter 6. Exodus chapter 6 says this, But the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand he will send them out, and with a strong hand he shall drive them out of his land. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But my name, by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I shall deliver you from the slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians." I will bring you into the land that I swore to give Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. And so the Lord said to Moses, Go in, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But Moses said to the Lord, Behold, the people of Israel have not listened to me. How then shall Pharaoh listen to me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. But the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a charge about the people of Israel and about Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. These are the heads of their father's houses, the the sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, Hanuk, Palu, Hazron, and Carmi. These are the clans of Reuben. The sons of Simeon, Jemuel, Jamin, Ohad, Jachin, Zohar, and Shul, the son of a Canaanite woman. These are the clans of Simeon. These are the names of the sons of Levi according to their generations. Gershon, Koath, Merai, the years of the life of Levi being 137 years. The sons of Gershon, Libni, and Shimei by their clans. The sons of Koath, Amran, and Izar, Hebron, and Uzel, the years of the life of Koath being 133 years. The sons of Merai, Mali, and Mushi, these are the clans of the Levites according to their generations. Amran took as his wife Jehoshaphat, his father's sister, and she bore him Aaron and Moses, the years of his life of Amram being 137 years. 
the sons of Izar, Korah, Nabij, and Zikr, the sons of Uzel, Mishel, Elphin, and Zithra. Aaron took as his wife Elisheba, the daughter of Arminabab, and the sister of Nashon, and she bore him Najab, Abor, Eliezer, and Ithmar, the sons of Korah, Asher, Elkon, and Ashabah. These are the clans of the Korites. Eliezer, Aaron's son, took his wife, one of the daughters of Petul, and she bore him Phineas. These are the heads of the fathers' houses of the Levites by their clan. These are these are the Aaron and Moses to whom the Lord said, Bring out the people of Israel from the land of Egypt by their hosts. It was they who spoke to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, about bringing out the people of Israel from Egypt, this Moses and this Aaron. And on the day when the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, the Lord said to Moses, I am the Lord. Tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I say to you. But Moses said to the Lord, Behold, I am of uncircumcised lips. How will Pharaoh listen to me? This is the reading today from God's word from Exodus chapter 6. So in the first nine verses of our chapter today, we see the Lord reaffirm to Moses as he did in 522 through 23 of Exodus that he will bring his people out of Egypt, which is emphasized throughout this section by the number of first person statements, i.e. I will bring you out. I will deliver you. I will redeem you as in verse six of our chapter today. And with a strong hand, it refers to what the Lord will do in order to bring Israel out of Egypt, not to the manner in which Pharaoh will send them out of Egypt. The Hebrew verb translated, he will send them out, is also translated, he will let you go in 320 of Exodus. It's the same verb used repeatedly in the command to Pharaoh to let my people go in Exodus 8.1. Now, the repeated declaration of God's presence and identity, I am the Lord, it frames the section in verse 2, verse 6, verse 8, and it emphasizes the significance of the plagues for Israel. The same God Almighty who made a covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in verses 3 through 4 has heard the cries of the descendants and remembered his covenant in verse 5. He is the one who revealed himself to Moses in Exodus three fourteen and 15, and who will bring them out of Egypt into the land he promised uh, to their fathers in Exodus 6, 6 through 8. In Exodus 6, 3 through 8, it says, I appeared. God did indeed appear to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, as indicated by a number of places in Genesis, such as Genesis 24, 3, Genesis 24, 7, Genesis 42, 12, Genesis 26, 22, Genesis 27, 27, and Genesis 28, 21. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. Now, in light of that statement, some have suggested that the patriarchs did actually not know the name Yahweh. And yet, it's probably best to understand this statement as explaining that the patriarchs did not fully understand and even experience the essential character of God as represented by the name Yahweh, the Lord. As this was first understood more fully by Moses when the Lord appeared to him in the burning bush in Exodus 3. And thus, in Exodus 3, 12-15, God had revealed himself to Moses in a far deeper way, promising Moses, I will be with you, and even revealing the significance of the covenant identity as Yahweh the Lord. And here in Exodus 6, 6-8, God reaffirms his commitment to his people and to his covenant identity in repeated affirmations stating three times that he is the Lord and he is the God of the covenant who will act in a decisive way on behalf of his people. 
I will bring you out in verse 6. I will deliver you in verse 6. I will redeem you in verse 6. I will take you to be my people in verse 7. I will be your God in verse 7. I will bring you into the land in verse 8. I will give it to you for possession in verse 8. Now, in verse 7, when the Lord says, I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, he is saying that the central idea of Israel's relationship with himself is the same as in Deuteronomy 4.20 and Deuteronomy 7.6. He will bring them into a personal relationship with himself, a relationship of great blessing, of great protection and joy. And now when he says, you shall know that I am the Lord your God, what he's saying is that he will reveal himself to Israel through his acts on their behalf as in Exodus 10.2. This expression is common in Exodus. It's called uh, the recognition formula. And although it addressed to Israel here several similar statements, they are directed though to Pharaoh during the course of the plague as in Exodus 5.2, Exodus 7.5, and Exodus 7.17. Now, here in Exodus 6, 10 through 30, Moses and Aaron's narrative synopsis and genealogy is given. The genealogy of Moses and Aaron in verses 14 through 25, it's framed by the opening and even the closing sections, which nearly mirror each other as in verses 10 through 13 and verses 26 through 30. The function of this genealogy is to preserve the particular history of Moses and Aaron as the one through whom the Lord brought Israel out of Egypt and also of Aaron's sons who would become the heads of the priestly line in Israel as in verses 23 and 25. Now the content of Exodus 6, 10 through 13 is repeated in verses 26 through 30, but is reversed in sequence. Most in verse 10 through 20, and Moses and Aaron in verse 13, genealogy in verses 14 through 25, Aaron and Moses in verses 26 and 27, and Moses in verse 28. So aside from highlighting the genealogy, the shape of this frame also appears to emphasize the particular role of Moses as the one who interacts directly with the Lord in verses 10 through 12 verses 28 through 30 in addition to his rule with Aaron in carrying out what the Lord commands in verse 13 and verses 26 and 27. Verse 12, I am of uncircumcised lips. It's difficult though to determine here whether Moses intends something significantly different from his plea of being of slow speech and of tongue in Exodus 4.10. The vocabulary may, may be meant to evoke the incident involving circumcision in Exodus 4.24 through 26. Well, if that's the case, Moses could mean that he feels not only physically unable to speak, as in Exodus 4.10, but also personally unfit or unclean for the task. Now, the beginning of this genealogy here in our chapter today, it looks as if the sons or the heads of the household of Jacob's sons will be listed according to their birth in verse 14. Well, after naming Reuben in verse 14 and Simeon in verse 15, it stops to focus on the sons of Levi in verse 16, and in particular Moses and Aaron in verse 20, and Aaron's son in verse 20 and verse 23. Well, the genealogy, it functions to preserve the family history of Moses and Aaron as the one through whom the Lord led Israel out of Egypt, and, and second, the history of Aaron's sons as those who were called to be priests in Israel. 
Other figures in the genealogy are included because of their roles in the events narrated in the book of Numbers, the sons of Korah in Exodus 6.24, and it eventually becomes jealous of Aaron's role as priest and rebel rebels according to Numbers 16.1-50. And Aaron's grandson Phineas in Exodus 6.25 is later noted for his act of unfaithfulness in relation to Israel's Baal worship at Pure in Numbers uh, 25 one through nine. And like many biblical genealogies, this one does not aim to include every single generation. Rather, it only lists four generations from Jacob to Moses, Levi to Kohath, Amran to Moses, which we can compare this to First Chronicles 7, which lists 12 generations from Jacob to Joshua. Now, in verses 26 through 27 of our chapter, these verses are structured to highlight the central statement that it was this particular Moses and Aaron who went before Pharaoh. Well, surely there is a final exile coming for those sinners who will not turn from their wickedness and rest upon Christ for salvation. This exile is the dreaded second death, the lake of fire described in Revelation 20, 11 through 15, and that is eternal. It is a place of eternal conscious punishment, unending punishment at that as well. And yet, since God is gracious and he does not delight in the destruction of the wicked, as we see in Exodus 33, 11, the Lord God has provided ample warning to his fallen creation that this ultimate exile is coming. And one of the ways he has done this is through the provision of many anticipations of types of the final exile to come. Chief among these is the expulsion of his people from the promised land in 722 and 586 BC for their flagrant covenant violations in 2 Kings 17, 7 through 23 and 2 Kings 24, 1 through 25, 21. And we need to note that the exile of Adam and Eve from the Garden of Eden in Genesis 3, 22 through 24. But there are also other exiles mentioned in the word of God, including the time Israel spent in Egypt under the Pharaoh who did not know Joseph in Exodus 1 through 2. And unlike the final exile from which there's no escape as possible, our creator has made a way for fallen men and women to be rescued from these lesser exiles, a way that he also guarantees that, that they're going to enjoy blessing in the new heaven and the new earth. This way of escape is simple and, and it has been essentially the same throughout history. All that it takes to be saved from exile and restored to a full blessed relationship with the Lord is to embrace him as a great deliverer. Casting off all attempts to rescue ourselves, we can be freed from the state in which we were born. Traitors who refuse to bow to God as king and instead serve another as our sovereign. That's the point of Exodus 6, 1 through 8. In calling Moses to lead the Israelites out of Egyptian slavery, the Lord promised to be the one who would rescue them from their burdens and even deliver them into a new relationship with himself. All the Israelites had to do was abandon their plans of self-rescue and instead wait on the Lord to move his outstretched arm and judge the Egyptians in verses 6 through 8 of our chapter. See, placing one's destiny in the hands of Yahweh the Deliverer, it remains the only way to be rescued from exile. Only now we, we know more fully that Christ is a Deliverer who finally fulfills God's promise to free his people from eternal exile bondage, as in Matthew one twenty one. 
Even those who affirm justification by faith alone may act as if they need to do more than trust in Christ alone to be declared righteous. Some even think that they must trust Christ and go a certain number of days without sinning. Others even believe salvation requires faith in Christ plus a certain number of hours of Bible study or even evangelism. And while these extra things are the fruits of faith, they do not justify us. Faith alone, in Christ alone, in the great deliverer who is Christ, redeems us from the exile. Now, Moses and the people of Israel are in their darkest hour in Exodus 6. Moses has confronted Pharaoh, but Pharaoh is unimpressed. So instead of releasing the people, he increases his oppression. Moses expresses his frustration to God, and in many ways, Moses seemed broken. But God responded to Moses in Exodus 6, 1, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh, for without a strong hand he will send them out. So crucial to understanding what we're talking about today is understanding the antecedents of the pronoun. The them who will be sent out are the people of Israel. The he who will send them out with a strong hand is not the Lord. It is Pharaoh's strong hand that will send the people out. Pharaoh might insist that he will not let the people of God go, but God's mightier hand will force Pharaoh's mighty hand. And no matter how loudly the enemy might roar against the people of God, none can thwart the will of the Lord God Almighty. You see, the Lord is with his people, and he is mighty to save. To emphasize this point, Moses is reminded of the Lord's name in Exodus 6, 2-3. I am the Lord. I appear to Abraham, to Isaac, to, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. There are two names mentioned here. The first is the divine name Yahweh, usually denoted in English translations with the small caps LORD. This is the covenantal name the Lord gives to Moses out of the burning bush. There, there is a reflection of the covenantal transaction in which the covenant begins with the greater party declaring his name. The second name is El Shaddai, or God Almighty. This indicates that God is all-powerful. He is the God who can do anything that he wills to do. There is no power greater than the Lord. And here is the importance of these names. God is almighty and God is covenantal. If God were only El Shaddai, he would be powerful but would only elicit only fear. Seeing him would be like staring into the face of a tornado that is ripping houses off their foundations. However, if God were only relational, then he would, he, we could only be comforted by his presence. But we would never know if he was able to do anything about our situation. He would be with us, but he would be impotent to save us. Well, the truth is, God is not only El Shaddai, but he's also the covenant God, Yahweh. He is almighty, and he is with us. He comes alongside us to comfort us, and he is able to rescue us. Moses came to the Lord in his darkest hour, and God answered by declaring that he is mighty to save. Even, even in his darkest hour of our sin, the almighty God of the universe heard our plea. He has come near to us in the person and work of Jesus Christ. The Lord hears our need, and Christ is both with us and mighty to save. Well, I want to thank you for listening or watching today's episode of Reading the Bible Daily with Dave. My name is Dave, and we looked at Exodus chapter 6. Until tomorrow, may the Lord richly bless you and keep you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Reading the Bible Daily with Dave podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show and rate us wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to also like, subscribe, or follow Servants of Grace on Facebook, Instagram, X, or YouTube. We appreciate your support.